you were around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Uh, this past Final Four here was in Houston, Texas, where Villanova won the NCAA championship. And while I was in line to get my tickets for the Final Four, uh, Coach Dave, Dave Shellhouse, who was a All-American at Purdue, came down to Houston and stayed with us, and he took me to the Final Four. But I got to meet the guest that's going to be on the program today. Now, if you're listening to this program, you're probably listening to KeepingTheNostalgiaLive.com. And if you would like to, we have over another 100 interviews with basketball legends from the state of Indiana and abroad at keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. So really, I don't have to do an intro once uh, I say this coach's name. You'll understand why I don't have to do the intro, just because it, it would take up half of the show. So, uh, so Coach Gene Cady is with us today. Coach Cady, thanks for spending some, taking some time from your busy schedule to help keep the nostalgia alive and, and share your story about your love of basketball. Well, I uh, appreciate you having me on, and I'm enjoying this. Of course, I always want to talk basketball about Indiana the state of indiana so thank you for having me on uh, coach tell us a little bit about where you're from and also basketball wasn't your first love well um i grew up in kansas went to kansas state and uh played all sports let it to four sports in college so uh it really wasn't my first love it just happened to be a job opening i came back from the steelers in uh, 1958 after i hurt my knee and had my degree, it was late August, so I got, had a job to coach at a high school, and one of the jobs was being head basketball coach. So that's how I kind of got started by coaching high school, and it just went from there. Uh, coach, who instilled the love of sports uh, uh, in, in you at a, at a young age? Well, kind of the community. You grow up in Kansas. Uh, sports is always kind of a big uh, commodity and kind of a thing that happens in each town in Kansas. And Gub McDonald was the baseball coach coach at Washburn University in those days and he got me started in baseball and then uh, my father kind of started me in basketball in the third grade and then my high school coach was a, a big believer in letting people do what they did best and he kind of got me interested in coaching so a lot of people got me started in sports and and uh, I, I can't tell you just one person did it but it's just one of those things that when you're a child in Kansas uh, sports is big so you get involved in it. Coach, when you came out of Garden City Community College, what other places did you have the opportunity or chance to go, and why did you pick K-State? Well, um, I could have gone to Wichita State and some Washburn and some other schools, and uh, but uh, Kansas State just seemed like it was a good fit for me, and the coaches were very interested in me, and, and I just liked it there. So it was one of those things where... The, because it was a state university, and uh, in those days it was in the Big Seven and the Big Eight. So uh, my interest is because of my because it was in the state that I lived in. Now, you played quarterback. What kind of football teams did uh, you have at K-State while you played there? Well, I played quarterback in junior college, and then when I went to K-State, uh, they moved me to halfback and pass receiver. So uh, it was a, we, had, we won the league at Garden City, the junior college, the Jayhawk League, 
in those days in, in football and uh, went to the National Junior College Tournament and then got third in the nation in track. So we had some success in athletics at Garden. And then I went to K-State as a junior and played football and baseball and indoor track. So I uh, really weren't a favorite of any of them. I just liked them all. Probably I was best at baseball. Coach, can you tell us a little bit? You were drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and, and of course, evidently you had an injury problem, but uh, if you wouldn't have had that injury problem, do you think you would have played professional football? Uh, yeah, I would have liked to. I wanted to, and, <laughs> and uh, it was one of those things where I needed to get back and make money, so I had my degree, so I came back and applied for a teaching job at uh, Beloit, Kansas, and got it. And at one point in time, was it after you graduated from K-State, or was it before that you knew that you wanted to coach uh, uh, some kind of sport? Well, it was before. My high school coach was very uh, – Merlin Wilson was a high school coach and learned it, and uh, he was one that got me interested in wanting to become a coach, and uh, he's kind of stirred up the interest of pursuing a degree in physical education and biology, so I did that. You know, knowing what you know now with the state of Indiana and how crazy they are about their high school basketball, what was 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 there a much of a difference while you were at Beloit High School? Um, yeah, I mean, Kansas is a lot like Indiana. The interest in basketball season is unbelievable how important it is to get to the state if you're in high school playing or if you're coaching high school. And uh, just uh, basketball is king at that time of year. And uh, I think that probably track and football are bigger uh, as far as interest in high schools in Kansas than they are in Indiana. But but uh, basketball in both states, as you know, is is, uh, is highly successful and popular. What do you think about the uh, state of Indiana and Indiana high school basketball now? Well, I liked it better when they just had one state champion, and now they've got it kind of diluted with several classes, so that's kind of, I think, taking the interest down a little bit, but still, it's still king as far as uh, popularity of sports in that state. It's a huge time in March. Now, while you were at Beloit High School, how did you get to Hutchinson Junior College, and was that a, a hard decision to make because you enjoyed being at Beloit, or did, did you want to no, just advance it, your career? Well, it's kind of interesting in that Sam Butterfield was the high school coach at Garden City when I was at junior college, and he practiced in the same basketball court when he coached basketball at Garden City High School as I did as a junior college JUCO player, and we would met on the practice court because he would come on off the court, we would go on to practice, and that's where I met him. So as time went on, we became friends, and then he became the head basketball coach at Hutz JUCO, and uh, he would come to Beloit to career days, and because we had been friends at Garden City, he would come to Beloit and visit with me, and we stayed friends. And he said, if I ever got my master's at uh, K-State, which I did, I went back and got a master's in 64, that he would hire me as his assistant at Hutch Juco because he was going to become the uh, athletic director. So that happened, and I moved uh, to uh, Hutch Juco in 1965 as the assistant basketball coach, and, and then I became the head basketball coach in 66. So... And I was a defensive football coach and a defensive back coach in football at uh, Hutch too, and taught 25 hours of biology. So, uh, because of Sam Butterfield, I made the connection. And then uh, he just passed away this year. He was a dear friend and a great athletic director, and was a great basketball coach at Hutch Juco. 
Uh, Coach, tell us a little bit about your transition to Arkansas and what do you uh, and tell us your thoughts and what do you think of Coach Eddie Sutton? Oh boy, best coach I ever worked with. Uh, when I was at Hutch, uh, when you're at the National Junior College tournament, you get to meet a lot of coaches. That's where the National Junior College uh, Junior College tournament is, as you know. A lot of coaches come there from Division One schools to recruit during March, and I got to be friends of his because he's recruited one of my players at Hutch, and uh, he wanted me, I needed assistant at Arkansas when he went there. He went from Creighton to Arkansas, and uh, he uh, wanted me to come down and interview for the job, so I did. Then he hired me at Arkansas in, in 1974. So. Uh, uh, he was just a guy that I learned a lot about and about, and I learned about basketball. So he was the best basketball coach I was ever around. Now, were, were you just thrown into the recruiting hunt, and did you enjoy recruiting? Oh, yeah. Loved recruiting in those days because in those days it was the parents, the high school coach, and the players. So you didn't have a lot of parties uh, muddying up the waters. So it was easy to recruit in those days, easier at least. Not easy, but easier. And then what, I mean, you guys had some great teams while you were there under uh, Eddie Sutton. Yes, uh, we went to the nice tournament in the Final Four in 1978 with Sidney Moncrief and Marvin Delft and Ronnie Brewer. Steve Shaw was our center. Jimmy Counts was the, probably the best defensive forward in the uh, Southwest Conference in those days. So we had a great team and, and went to the Final Four in 1978 in St. Louis. Is this a true statement that you made that recruiting is a lot like shaving? If you miss a day, you look like a bum? Yes, I said that, but I got it from a football coach at Arizona State, so it wasn't my idea. I just copied it. <laughs> so you guys were having success at, at Arkansas. It, it, was Western Kentucky the, the first real school that came after you, or did you have other opportunities, but you went to Western Kentucky first? Oh, I went to Western Kentucky first because it was a, had great tradition and uh, – Great basketball following, had great fans, and uh, went to Final Four in 78, and that's why they wanted it because I was one of Eddie Sutton's staff members, and anytime you're around Eddie, uh, they want you because you, they pretty well know that you're going to have a chance to be a great coach. Coach, did you ever think when you were younger, uh, you know, at, at K-State, did you, did you ever foresee yourself coaching basketball in the Big Ten? No. Of course not. <laughs> and can you t and <laughs> go ahead? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to butt in. And, and that's okay. No, no, that's okay. And and what was that? What was that kind of uh, a grooming of a relationship like with Purdue University? Well, um, um, Purdue had never been something that I was very uh, interested in because they weren't close. You know, when I grew up in Kansas, uh, when I was with the Steelers, Lynn Dawson was one of the quarterbacks there and I was a pass receiver so he was the first guy from Purdue I ever met. A couple of halfbacks from Hutch Juco had transferred from Hutch Juco to Purdue and by the name of Ackerman and and uh, then I heard about them and then I watched Rick Mount play great shooter for Purdue on TV in those days but those were only the three people I was ever around much. Uh, Piggy Lambert was a great coach there who Sam Butterfield spoke about very much when I was with him but uh really didn't know much about Purdue, so it was kind of a uh, hidden commodity. And a hidden uh, diamond. And, and can you tell us about the uh, about how you got the Purdue job and how that uh, worked out, How getting getting the job? 
Sure. Um, when I was at Western Kentucky, I, they asked me to come to Colorado Springs and coach a sports festival team, which was a in those days Olympic development team. Because as you know, in those days the college kids played on the Olympic team, so they always try to develop young college players to get ready for the Olympics. And uh, I coached a sports festival team. I coached the South squad. And they put like the South squad, North squad, East squad, West squad. We'd play a tournament at Colorado Springs where they had training for the Olympics. And uh, we won the gold medal uh, at the sports festival with the South squad and, and uh, had some great, great players on it. And Fred Schaus was the assistant basketball coach and assistant AD of Purdue, but he was on the Olympic committee and saw me coach that team. And, and, uh, we won the gold medal, and Lee Rose quit Purdue in 1980 to go down to a, a new t- a new school in South Florida, in Tampa. And uh, he went back and George, told George King when Lee Rose left that they ought to, we ought to hire that young guy at Western Kentucky because he liked the way I coached in mean, the sports festival. So because of Fred Schaus telling George King at Purdue that he thought I could be a good coach was how I got the job. And had you spent much time in the state of Indiana before uh, getting the head co- head coaching job at Purdue? None. <laughs> none, none, none. That's probably why they hired me, because they didn't know me. <laughs> Coach, did, did the move from western Kentucky to Indiana, was? I mean, did, you, did your head about to explode on what you were going to uh, get yourself into at Purdue, or were you excited, or what, what, was, what was your kind of, oh, did you remember that? Oh, you're excited, because you're, you got a chance to coach in a great league, the Big Ten, be around great coaches like uh, Coach Knight and uh, Lou Henson and uh, Judd Heathcote and Heathcote and people like that. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you never dreamt as a high school coach you'd ever have a chance to get a Big Ten basketball job. So that was very special. And also, Purdue was coming off of a, a Final Four year, correct? In 1980, they were in the Final Four in the Indianapolis. I watched them play. Uh, against UCLA, and uh, uh, it's it just one of those things where a dream comes true if you get to have an opportunity to go from high school, junior college, and assistant coach at, and the head coach at Western Kentucky to Purdue. So it was very, very special to me. And what was your first year like at Purdue? And and did you did you do you did did you still through your whole twenty five years at being at Purdue University? Did you still love recruiting, or did re- recruiting did you did you like the other aspects of uh, coaching the game? Um, you know, I liked all aspects of it. Probably the thing I miss the most now is practice. Uh, recruiting changed because of the AAU uh, situation, and the parents kind of changed, but. But recruiting is always hard work, long hours, use a telephone a lot. That's never going to change. But uh, uh, I enjoyed it because I had some players at Purdue in 1980 that had played on the Final Four team, and, and um, then <clears throat> they were seniors, a lot of them. And, that, and one of them was Kevin Stallings, and now as a head coach at Pittsburgh. So uh, it was a good time for me because I got to be around guys that were older. And then we went to the – Final Four at the NIT in New York City that year, so that helped develop some young players we had. So it was a great time for us. We didn't have a great year, but we had a good year. Got to go to New York and play basketball in Madison Square Garden, so that was special. Coach, do you really like to sit back and, and watch the coaching tree that you've developed 
uh, uh, be successful. You know, all the players, all the coaches that came from, you know, underneath you and how successful they, they've been in their careers? Well, yeah, very much so. It keeps me busy in the in the uh, winter months. It keeps my, my, my wife's hair, so it gives me something to do. <laughs> so we live in Myrtle Beach, as you know, and, and uh, I have 12 guys that are coaching men's teams and two, two uh, guys that are coaching women's teams around the country, so Got them all over, so I got the records right here on my desk now. What they what our records were last year, so it's really special to watch all of them. And if they're on national television, of course I watch them. Coach, once you got to the Big Ten, what did people warn you about the other coaches in the Big Ten, or did you know what you were coming into? Well, when I was with that, when I was at Western Kentucky, we wanted to start a tournament at uh, Western Kentucky and uh, start a clinic and bring in a special speaker, so we brought in Al McGuire, and Al McGuire knew I was going to go to Purdue because it was in March or April. He said, you don't, you better not go to Purdue because Bobby Knight's going to kick your behind, <laughs> so you're going to get your fanny beat there and probably going to get fired, so he was totally against me going to Purdue, so turned out pretty good, though, because Coach Knight now, now are good friends. And, and, you know, tell us about that a little bit, because, you know, there, there's probably the perception that you guys hate each other, but you guys have a special bond and a special friendship. Can you chat about your relationship with Coach Knight a little bit? Well, he was always a guy that I highly respected when I was at Hutch, because he was a great coach at Army and uh, did some tapes on defense, so I bought those to teach my players at Hutch how to play defense. And then he just one of those guys that if you're a coach, you listen to and you watch. And try to learn from it because I took a lot of stuff from other coaches. Uh, Boyd Grant at Fresno State, uh, Tex Winter at Kansas State, Eddie Sutton, as I said. We're all guys that a guy by the name of Bud Presley out of Mill Park in California was a coach I learned a lot from. So I stole a lot of stuff from other coaches and, and tried to use their things to, you know, to expand my coaching philosophy. So uh, it just, uh, while well, situation where if you're around people, you try to learn from him, and of course, I had a lot of great assistants too. Uh, Coach, tell us about recruiting in the state of Indiana. Was it difficult with the other schools that were there, and with the success of Indiana University? And how did you handle that? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard, but uh, you just hang in there and keep working. Uh, you know, you would go into homes and try to sell, and then with Coach Knight being successful as he was and going to winning national titles, it was hard. But uh, you just gotta keep, keep your head up, but keep working, and not not get down. And we recruited from out of state too, so we had always try to have a philosophy though, uh, try to recruit kids that could drive home in a couple hours, so that way they'd probably stay happier. So, uh, but recruiting is a lot different in those days, as I said. You you recruit the high school coach, the parents, and the kid, and you usually could get them if you told them the things that they needed to know, like. I never promised a kid he would start. I never promised he would uh, play a lot or, or make the NBA. I just promised him they'd, they'd get taught, hopefully, the right way to play. And if you come to Purdue, you're going to get your degree. And if you get a degree from Purdue, you got a chance to get a good job someplace. So uh, we had a great league, and TV in those days was very popular from the Big Ten, so that was a good selling point. And, and the crowds were great. All the most of the crowds in uh, Big Ten were sold out, so you always played in front of great crowds on the road. So you had a lot of selling points, a lot of pluses. 
Coach, with 550 victories, when, when you started at Purdue and, and, and even through your years at Purdue, how, what's the importance of having a good assistant coaching staff, and, and what was your kind of philosophy on finding people to replace people after they went other places? Um, you know, I've always tried to use the word ideal to recruit people or hire people. An ideal, I use each letter as a model word. Uh, I stood for uh, intelligence. Try to find guys that had common sense, horse sense, not necessarily straight-A students, but use common sense. And then uh, D stood for dedication. I wanted people that were very dedicated and uh, understood how important that hard work was. And then in E stood for enthusiasm. I've always thought that if you were enthusiastic and honest, you could recruit kids because they could trust you. A stood for ability, and I thought A was ability was one of those things you look for in a kid that had quickness or height or shooting ability, stuff like that. And then maybe the big one was L for loyalty, and I thought that loyalty was always a key to your assistance, being loyal to each other and us and, and making a family. So that was how I kind of worked as a model, the word ideal. You know, I, I told Coach Shellhouse that I was going to interview you, and he, he asked me a question, and he told me not to ask it, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. What was your, what was your, what was your, what was going through your mind when Coach Knight tossed the chair, and what if he would have tossed it your way? <laughs> I would have caught it. I had good hands. Uh, you know, uh, I was happy because we got six free throws and. And uh, we were winning the game, and we got to expand our lead to about 11 points. So that was a key thing, to win the game and go home happy. So that was what I was worried about. Uh, throwing a chair was an unusual event, no doubt, but one of those things that you couldn't control it, so you just try to keep winning and, and make more points in Indiana get that kind of town. So that was what I wanted to do, and we did it. Uh, Coach Kenny, you do uh, uh, you, you go and uh, talk to groups of people now, right? Oh sure, yeah. Motivational talks. Yeah, I do it to high schools, uh, colleges, uh, corporations, uh, wherever I think I can motivate people. Because really, being successful is not that hard. You just got to follow a few rules. So uh, it's not. It's about mostly about hard work and good attitude. And I think people can go to Coach Gene Cady on Facebook and uh, uh, message and, and and get a hold of you through that. Um, sure. Co uh, Coach, you you have uh, uh, there, there's an alumni co game coming up, correct? Yes, uh, August fifth and sixth, uh, we're going to play in the uh, in the Coastal Lafayette, and I guess the floor at uh, Mac Arena got flooded, so they're going to play the alumni game at Jeff High High School there in in Lafayette Jefferson High School. So we'll be playing the game there on the Fifth and sixth. Coach, while you were at Purdue for a quarter of a century, 25 years, did you have the opportunity to go other places but you stayed at Purdue or even actually to coach the uh, professional game? Never the professional game. I was assistant coach at Toronto after I retired, but never as a head coach. Uh, yeah, I could have gone to Arizona State. I had turned that job down twice in Tempe and then uh, uh, San Francisco. Francisco twice, turned that down twice, and then interviewed other jobs. In Texas, I turned down, and that was a maybe the one I, mean, I should have taken, maybe, but still, I was so happy at Purdue. I had watched uh, Tex Winter go from Kansas State to Washington and didn't really do as well as I thought he should, and uh, Eddie went from Arkansas to Kentucky, and I thought that was, should have turned out better. So I, I thought if those two guys can't 
bacon because they thought the grass was greener. I sure as heck can't make it. So when you're happy and you're winning and uh, doing the things you think you ought to do as far as your uh, being having good integrity and stuff, that I just wanted to stay at Purdue because I was very happy there. So I turned down a lot of jobs. And K-State was my alma mater. I might have considered that, but the athletic director told me they didn't have much money, so they couldn't pay me much. So I said, this conversation just ended. So uh, <laughs> those, are, those are the jobs that I had looked at the most as far as maybe looking to, uh, you know, another endeavor. But never got so serious uh, except for Arizona State. Coach, tell us, I mean, you, you, you've been associated with several teams. Tell us about the international game and the Olympics and stuff like that and Pan American games. And, and, and did you enjoy doing that? And was it how different was it from the college game? Um, it's a little different because of the rules. Uh, it's a little more open, and you can take the knock free throws off the rim and stuff, so it's a little more wide open. Uh, I coached a team, a USA uh, development team in Taiwan uh, one year. That was very interesting to be around the Asian people and see how they lived. And, and when I was in Taiwan, a lot of uh, a lot of people go to Purdue from Asia, so I got a lot of people from uh, Asia were in the crowd yelling for us, and that was a great experience because we played a lot of countries at that game. And and then uh, after that, I I. Uh, I already told you I coached a sports festival. That was my first USA game, and then the Taiwan was second. And then I got to go to well, World University Games in Germany in 19, uh, uh, I think it was 79. Uh, no, in, uh, yeah, in uh, 79, and then we won the gold medal there, beat Russia for the gold medal, and then coached the Pan Am teams in Cuba in, in, uh, a year later or two years later, and then we got the silver medal there, and then I got to be the sister coach on Olympic team in 1980. So uh, kind of worked my way up through the USA uh, program by taking teams uh, to different places. And I got to see a lot of the world through the USA basketball endeavor. And then, of course, I took some teams at Purdue overseas. So we did a lot of countries, and I've enjoyed it very, very much. International ball is a little more wide open and very competitive and and uh, always, uh, uh, the referees are always different, so it's uh, we always you have to adjust a little bit. And you know, as you know me, I didn't adjust too well, so we were <laughs> we were always on the go and battle. But it was, it was a great experience, and I've always appreciated the fact that I got to travel a lot because of it. Uh, Coach, speaking of referees, was there a certain mindset? I mean, did that start in high school and then junior college and then on to Western Kentucky and Purdue? Or did you did you feel like you always had to, you know, be on top of the referees? Or did you have a pretty good relationship with them, but it just didn't seem like that when you, we would watch you on TV? <laughs> you watch me, though. Uh, I think that the, um, I just tried to protect my players and, and maybe was too aggressive and over and trying to overprotect them maybe and, the referees always told me that afterwards when I left and went to St. John's that they knew I never took it personal, never held grudges, and uh, they always appreciated that fact. So uh, it was just a battle for my players, and that was it. I uh, probably shouldn't have done that, but it was not something that I planned or never tried to have a game plan towards. I just reacted to the game and, and the, in, the, in the heat of the battle. So that was it, bottom line. And then when I went home that night, I forgot about it. Got ready for the next game. Practice hard the next day, and that was it. Now, did you have the did you have the mindset at the beginning of every game that you were going to keep that jacket on for the whole game? 
No. That was just an uh, interaction. No. That was not planned either. So it just happened. Just acting like an idiot. So, you know, you're trying to understand why did I do that. So uh, it was uh, not something that I wanted to do, but I did it. Coach, what what did ESPN and Cable do to the college basketball game? Well, I think it really educated the people and opened up the game to where everybody understood the game better and uh, it entertained us more and we got to be, uh, you know, on the front row and have an idea of what really happened to the games. We got to see a lot of games we wouldn't have been able to see. So when ESPN came aboard, we really got an education and it was really really uh, entertaining and appreciated by coaches like me. So I've always thought that that was great. Then when I got to work at the Big Ten Network, it even educated me more about what goes on. So uh, that was always fun and entertaining, and I always appreciate the fact that Big Ten hired me. Coach, high school, junior college, Western Kentucky, Purdue, Did you, did you was there one special team that you had and you really enjoyed coaching that, that maybe wasn't as successful as you thought they were going to be, but you really enjoyed coaching them? Oh, wow. Uh, I think not necessarily. Uh, 1984 at Purdue, my fourth year, we had recruited a group my first year there in 1980 that were pretty special and uh 1984, we were picked 10th in the Big Ten, and then we won the Big Ten. So that was kind of got me jump-started to a, you know, a carryover uh, contract extension type situation. Kind of, I guess, secured my, I didn't know it at the time, it secured me for coaching for good. So I guess the 1984 team, you know, I didn't have to say it was special because it kind of jump-started me into a long career at Purdue. And w- within all of that, did you have a, uh, you know, I know you don't want to pick out a special, you know, a specific player, but did you have did you have any players that you, you, you kind of coached and you were really, really pleased with how they turned out and you didn't think they were going to turn out the way that they did? Oh, boy. Uh, well, a lot of, I didn't really play favorites. So a lot of my players were favorites uh, in one way or another. Uh, some games I hated them all and some games I loved them all. So you know how that goes. It's, it's a love-hate relationship, but I didn't really hate anybody, but it was one of those things where they thought they acted. I acted like I did, but I didn't. But Brian uh, uh, Robinson was probably the best player I ever coached. Uh, um, he was special in that he could really shoot it and rebound it. Was a great uh, competitor, so he was a great practice player. So uh, he was special. And then, of course, at Arkansas, Sidney Moncrief was really special, and Rod Burr and those guys, and Marvin Delft. And then when I came to Purdue, that. The Troy Lewis, Todd Mitchell, Everett Stevens game team uh, in you know eighty seven, eighty eight were special too. So, but it had a lot of Brad Miller, Steve Scheffler, uh, Jimmy Oliver, uh, Doug Lee, a lot of kids I can name. But I, you know, I liked them all. I didn't really have, I didn't really play favorites. I played guys that produced. They went to class every day. Coach, I, I know that you know a college basketball coach is is, is probably is a very difficult thing to do because you're loved one day, hated the next day. How did you kind of handle that pressure? Or did you just did you just you know blow it all off at the end of the day, and the next day or the next game is another game, or or how did you handle that? Um, I don't know. I guess it was the way I was brought up with my dad. Uh, everybody asked me how could you handle stress, and I said, "What stress? I don't get stress. I give stress." So uh, you know, it was never anything thing that bothered me, so I guess I'm just lucky not to have that type of uh, 
situation. Uh, I never got ulcers and never got down about things, just kept working. So I always enjoyed going to work, enjoyed coaching and being part of a some school and having the opportunity to coach there. Always had great bosses and, and uh, enjoyed working with people and had great secretaries and a lot of great coaches just helped me and a lot of trainers and you don't do it by yourself. You never do it by yourself. A lot of, a lot of great players. Had 92 seniors at Purdue in uh, those 25 years, and 92% of them got their degrees. So awesome. that was something that I thought was special. So I really, and now my kids in junior college graduated, so that was good. Uh, Coach, do you have a relationship with your players? Do they said you call them? Do they call oh, yeah. you? You know, when I was at Boyd in, uh, in those early years, I was 22 years years old when I started and those kids were 14 now they're 72 so it's like they still call me so it's like we have I really I call I talk to my players I played in junior college coach at junior college talk to a lot of Purdue players now so I stay in touch with a lot of them yes coach when when you uh, uh, left Purdue and was it a hard decision to leave coaching? I know you went on and you did a little bit with the Raptors and you did a little bit with St. John, but when you finally decided to give up the game, was it a, uh, coaching the game, was it a hard thing to do? Well, uh, you know what, I think it was a matter of understanding that it probably was hurting Purdue because a lot of coaches were using the fact that why would you want to go there because he's going to retire, that they use your age against you, so... Uh, that's why I retired, and I'm uh, sure Purdue wanted me to go too, maybe. But it was one of those things where uh, I retired because I thought that it was I was hurting recruiting. And uh, went to Toronto for a year, really enjoyed that, developed a couple great friendships there with Jim Todd, assistant coach, and Bob Peterson was the video guy. So developed, and Wayne Embry was the assistant to the president then, and developed great friendships with them. And then I went to Big Ten Network, and that was fun for a couple of years. So boys appreciated the fact that they hired me. And Jim Delaney was the commissioner of the Big Ten, and I called him and thought, asked him what he thought of me being a, on the Big Ten Network. He thought it would be great, so I did it because of his encouragement. So um, I just enjoyed it. Then when, when Steve Lavin was my assistant at Purdue in 92, uh, uh he asked me to come to St. John to help him, and, for, and I coached there for five years. So I enjoyed that he in New York City. Met my present wife there, so that was a worthwhile trip, and, and I've always appreciated New York City. So uh, I've had a lot of great experiences, and I've worked with a lot of great people. Coach, is there is there something like like on a daily basis that you kind of uh, uh, think of and kind of brings a smile to your face uh, uh, about being uh, a great basketball coach like you were? Oh yeah, uh, just the friends and and uh, the relationships that I developed over the years, and uh, those things are very very special. You think about them every day. How lucky you were. So I never ever thought I was a great coach. I just tried to be one. So. Uh, just try to keep working and keep your head up and be positive. What does Coach Gene Cady do in retirement besides travel the world? <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife keeps me busy by making sure I do the treadmill and make me eat right. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where we like going to uh, – we love Ireland and we love uh, London where our nephew and niece uh, – Kathleen's nephew and niece are in the Navy over there, so we – go over there ever so often so and we just like to travel so those are things that are special to us
as long as I'm healthy, I'm going to stay on the move. In fact, today I just came from watching a bunch of recruits over at Sports Center here in Myrtle Beach. It's This is a recruiting time for colleges around the country, so it's a, I get to see a lot of coaches when I go over and watch the, the players work out and work and run and play their games for AAU people. Do you enjoy the game of golf? Do you play a lot of golf? Try a couple times a week, yeah. Yeah, I do. I love golf. But when you were at Purdue, you played a lot of golf because you had 26 golf audiences every summer to entertain alumni. So that was where I got to be a little bit better. I didn't play golf seriously until I was in my early 40s because so, you had so many golf audiences with Purdue alumni. But then you you know, you know, kind of get it as a hobby. And then when I retired, I played every day with my golf buddies in Lafayette. Then when I moved on another job, you kind of lost it. New York City, it's hard to play golf because... First of all, it costs too much, and second, there's not many courses available. So uh, then when I, when I quit playing for five years, and that kind of hurt me. But now I'm starting to get back again. In fact, cool. I had an 84 of the day. I'm trying to get my – my goal is to shoot my age, which is 80, so I want to get down to 80 <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> Coach, do you think the professional game, the NBA, is a deterrent or a, a put-down for college basketball? No, I think it's great. I think it you – know, the fans love it. Uh, it was a goal for college kids to work towards. Uh, no, it's, it's it's really special. It's the best athletes in the world. Those guys are the best athletes in the world. No, I think it's great. I just don't like the style of play sometimes. And I don't like players using uh, the owners to get coaches fired, but that's one of the things I think is a deterrent. But other than that, I love it. I watch it, I watch it some and try to stay uh, part of it when the playoffs are uh, in March, April and March. So, Coach, are you still a basketball junkie? You like to watch it as much as possible, or you try to, you know, uh, push it aside and get out, do other things now, today? Oh, no, I'm very much a junkie. As I said, I watched 14 teams play in the winter, so uh, very much a, a basketball junkie. I don't think I'll ever lose that. You can go to Facebook, Coach Gene Cady. He also has some Play Hard gear by University Spirit. I know, Coach, that you're not involved in that and don't want to talk about that that much, but uh, I know um, – uh, it's got, you got some good stuff on there, but I, I thank you so much for spending uh, uh, some time with us and, and sharing uh, coming up through basketball. And I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy it. And I thank you so much for your time. I know uh, uh, you're a very busy man, and I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you talking about Play Hard. The Play Hard brand was started by uh, a friend of mine in Lafayette, Jill Spencer, and my wife Kathleen. So uh, they're the ones that got that started. So and actually, I like people to buy it to give to their relation for Christmas or something. So it's something that's you can buy at a University Spirit at Lafayette, like you said. So that's, thank you for bringing that up. Oh, no problem. I think you got uh, plenty of stuff uh, also upcoming, but we don't know the uh, specifics of it, but we'll sure let everybody know when it happens. Okay, thank you. Hey, Rudy, enjoyed talking to you. Oh, thank no, you I, very I, much. I, I, tell you, I tell you what, um, you know, uh, uh, being born and raised in Indiana and me doing this for the past five years, uh, you know, it's a you know there's a there's a different outlook and a different um, uh, appreciation that you get for basketball when you see it from 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 all sides of it. And and I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a, it was a blast. Well, thank you, thank you for promoting basketball from Indiana and just basketball in general. Coach, appreciate you having me on very much. Thank you, Coach. Have a great day. Okay, you're welcome. All right, bye bye. The surrounding Uve that time inside as he caught the ball. Calmly dumped it outside for the open jumper. Atkinson losing the handle. And a jump situation. Now, wait a minute, foul called. 
London Bradley will go to the scorer's table and indicate the foul. It is on Marty Simmons. Pretty obvious what call he wanted. Had it been a jump situation, it would have become Indiana's ball under the ultimate possession rule. Now inside of the foul is on Daryl Thomas, his second. And the sixth Indiana team foul. We've only played five minutes of the first half. Fred Jasper's now chasing Bobby Knight back to his chair. Yeah, and he's got, got him right there. Here's the key. Two-shot technical against the bench and against Bob Knight. Steve Reed, an excellent free-throw shooter, will have the honor of shooting the technicals. Look at here. Look at here. Bobby Knight just threw his chair. Clear across the free-throw lane. And I think uh, Fred Unbelievable. He picked up another tee. Now Fred Jaspers is called for athletic director Ralph Floyd. Fred Jaspers talking to uh, Mr. Floyd down in the uh, corner. Now we got Ralph Floyd out on the floor. It's 11 to 6. We're just five minutes into the contest, and this has erupted. There's a good chance Bobby Knight's been ejected from this basketball game. Fred Jasper is explaining it to the scorer's table. Now Gene Cady, the Purdue coach, comes over just to stay in contact with what decisions have been made. Uh-oh, now we got three. Now He's we got gone. three. He's yep. gone. golf course here in Bloomington, a university course. Well, I'll tell you, that just kind of demonstrates the kind of year it's been over here and uh, total frustration, but there's really no excuse for losing your poise to the point of throwing a chair across the basketball floor. Officials took care of it in a series of technicals, and we've had three called. So there's going to be some free throw shootings practice here by the Boilermakers in just a moment. All three on the bench also do two-shot technicals. Well, and Steve Reed, as I mentioned a moment ago, very good free throw shooter. If indeed he gets the uh, opportunity to parade to the line. 11 to 6 is the score. We've had plenty of fireworks in the first five minutes of this basketball game. I'm just glad nobody was in that chair. Oh. <laughs> well, that wouldn't have prevented him from using that one necessarily. Whatever happened to be closest. Uh, most unfortunate. Yeah, the Indiana record at home this year, seven and four. They've never lost more than four games at home in a season. Uh, 
There's Steve Reed now. Oh, we figure he's got six shots coming. He is now 21 for 22 in Big Ten games. He is now 22 for 23. And Purdue leads 13 to 6. Reed, the senior from Dodge City, Kansas. He's got the center spotlight now. Gives us a chance to tell you a little bit about this fine senior. Man. Reed shot only 50% from the line in preseason games, but he, as I mentioned a moment ago, he's been near perfect at the line in Big Ten games. Mm. You believe this? Well, he's starting to think about it a little bit. These are tough ones to shoot. Just an odd situation. The guy steps up the line and shoots six. Now Jimmy Cruz and Joby Ryder up at the Indiana bench claiming there was just two technicals, but we saw three of them called. Boy, this is something. Reed, who had missed only one in his first 21 free throw attempts in late click, has missed three of five. There he settles for 